This is the College of the Redwoods Forestry Natural Resources Career Seminar Podcast, and I'm your host, Valerie Elder. This podcast features Dustin Wallace. He's a rangeland management specialist with the Natural Resources Conservation Service, or NRCS, office here in Eureka. Dustin was born and raised in Arcata, and during high school and college, he worked for a sheep ranch in Bayside. Ultimately, Dustin graduated from Humboldt State University with a degree in rangeland resource science. After some work across the state, he landed back in Humboldt County working for NRCS and is currently getting ready to apply to be a certified rangeland manager in a few months. Dustin's work helps conserve privately owned landscapes in our county and helps to improve ecosystems. Dustin primarily focuses on rangelands, specializing in annual grasslands, but NRCS works on all different kinds of landscapes in every county across the United States. So Dustin describes a little bit about the Pathways Internship Program and discusses the different opportunities to transfer and see new areas within the federal system. His safety tips include dressing to prepare yourself for the elements in the field and making sure you let someone know where you're going before you head out into the field. So let's head out in this podcast adventure with Dustin and listen as he describes his work with people who really do take care of the environment and how he enjoys working with people that want to take care of the land that helps take care of them. Okay, so we are starting our next episode of the FNR Career Seminar podcast. And we're pretty lucky here in Humboldt County to have one of the only rangeland um, management degrees that you can study at Humboldt State University. And rangeland resources is an important part of kind of the broad scope of our forestry natural resource program and a career I wanted you all to hear about. So I asked my friend, Dustin Wallace, he's a rangeland management specialist for NRCS. That'll be a quiz maybe, what does NRCS stand for? Um, The Natural Resources Conservation Service. Um, with the USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture. So um, I've got some questions here to ask you, Dustin, but if you want to start by kind of introducing yourself. Yeah, my name is Dustin Wallace. Like Valerie said, I'm a rangeland management specialist for the Natural Resources Conservation Service here in Eureka. And yeah, mostly what we do is conservation plan on private rangelands and all sorts of different land types. I primarily focus on rangelands and uh help uh, private landowners improve their property and also, you know, better the ecosystems. How did you decide that you wanted to kind of do this? You know, growing up, I, uh, I always thought I wanted to be a forester. I spent a lot of time wandering around in the woods as a kid, but uh, when I was in 4-H, maybe about 12 or 13 years old, one of our local 4-H moms, Susan Marshall, who just happens to be a soils and rangeland science major Mm -hmm. or not major, but professor at Humboldt state university, started bugging me and saying, hey, you should look into rangeland resource science. You should look into range management. And I was kind of, you know, put on the back burner. I was like, all right, Susan, I'm 12 years old. I'm not even thinking about college yet. I'm not even in high school yet. 
but she kept working on me over the years. And <laughs> when I uh, was getting ready to graduate high school, she goes, you should really apply. There's lots of good scholarships available. So I looked into it and Humboldt State has the only rangeland management major left in California. So I said, well, that, you know, that makes it pretty convenient. I only applied to, for two colleges, Humboldt State and Cal Poly, and didn't get into Cal Poly. So I went to Humboldt and studied range. That's that's pretty amazing. And so Susan is still the um, major professor for that program at Humboldt. And, um, you know, the do you want to talk about maybe, I mean, uh, how the what the classes you took at Humboldt for rangeland, how that's a little bit different than some of the forestry classes? Maybe you don't know that curriculum as well, but like what sort of classes did you take that kind of made your degree really focus in on rangeland? Yeah, so some of the specific classes we took for our rangeland resource science degree, uh, tech is the technical name of the degrees, rangeland resource science, but it's pretty much a degree in range management. We take classes about um, wildland ecology principles, name of one of the classes where we talk about how the landscape works and how, you know, different sorts of management can affect that landscape. And then also classes like uh, wildland plant communities where we cover different regions of plant communities from the West Coast all the way out to like the Southeastern Plains and of Florida and then the Midwest and different tall grass prairie and short grass prairie, stuff like that. So getting familiar with different uh, landscapes and their vegetation. Um, we also took a uh, wildland restoration and development, which is a class that kind of focuses on mostly what I do now in helping private landowners do implement conservation. But that class really focused on uh, restoring landscapes that have been degraded over time back to something that you know is close to what it used to be as we can get and you know that's still functional and is still you know feasible and then also developing the landscape say something like a spring development to get uh to move water across the landscape doing those in a way that's not detrimental to the environment and uh still maintains the the spring or whatever the ecosystem service it's providing uh, lots of other classes like that it was pretty heavy in the soils too we took soil taxonomy um, you have options to take soil physics and different classes like that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of botany related stuff, plant stuff, and a lot of soils classes. Yeah. So it's really similar kind of in scope as studying forestry and natural resources, but just different ecosystems and the different services they offer with the rangeland. And as a, a forester, uh, people will end up managing kind of grazing permits or um, kind of uh, oak woodlands and other kind of more rangeland type scenario. So I think it's interesting just to kind of talk about that as an overview. Yeah, they seem to be really similar, um, just, you know, like you said, different landscapes. It's all about, you know, proper land management, but forestry is more, you know, in the forest and timber and rangeland, you know, we work some in the oak woodlands and I work with a few forestry people, but primarily it's grasslands and that sort of thing. Because mm -hmm. NRCS offers programs for forestry, natural resources, and watersheds, as well as yeah. There's a wide array of stuff farmers. that we work on. Anything outdoors, essentially, we try to mm -hmm. try to help out with. And so, with forestry, you um, will talk later in this class about getting a registered professional forester license and different things like that. So, there's something similar for rangeland. Yeah. Is so, that for rangeland, it's called being a certified range manager. And I am not eligible with enough experience after graduating from Humboldt yet to take the test to become a certified range manager. I have about another six or eight months before I become eligible. You need three years of full-time experience, I believe. But then it's a test that you study for similar to 
you know, an RPF test to where you prove that you are competent in what you're, what you're doing, and then you can become a certified range manager. And that's just sort of the professional. Yeah, it's thing. not necessary for the job, the job that I'm doing, but it's definitely mm-hmm. something that, you know, sets you out above other people. And it's not, you know, not something that everybody gets. Most people, I would say, you know, maybe not most people don't get it, but a lot of people don't have it and are working towards getting it because I know it'll put them a step above. And and kind of also on that same vein of like being a step above, are you a member of any organizations either? And, you know, you talked about 4-H, but um, like throughout college or kind of now um, professionally? Yeah, in college, I was you? a collegiate uh, Farm Bureau member and I'm trying to think, I was 4-H and FFA all growing up and from elementary school all the way up to high school. And, and then now I'm a member of the Humboldt County Prescribed Burn Association. And also I'm a member of the Society for Range Management, the Cal, CalPAC region. And what does the Society of Range Management? It's pretty much an organization that brings uh, rangeland management specialists or folks who are interested in rangeland together, really from all across the country, but they have it divided up into different regions. Like I'm in the CalPAC SRM region where we, we try to meet up twice a year and we have different trainings and conferences type conference type deals where we just get together and you know collaborate on new ideas or look at you know examples of projects that might have been innovative and new at the time they were implemented and kind of going back and revisiting those and just it's like a almost like a continued learning type deal where you're always working towards you know being better at what you do and being better for the landscape yeah that sounds really great i bet it's it's so the west is really so diverse so i'm sure it's really interesting to hear about projects does CalPAC, that's California, California Pacific. Pacific. Okay. Even within California, you know, yeah. you go from the California annual rangelands, especially here along the coast, you get areas like up in Neyland where it's, you know, you have some oak woodlands and annual grasses, but you move further south or go to the Sierras and just the whole vegetation type changes. And, just you know, California is just so diverse that it's it's hard to keep, you know, hard to be good at all the different vegetation types, especially for range in California, because you go from sagebrush step on the Eastern Sierras to California annual grasslands, you get up in some of the higher elevations and you might have some more of the native perennial grasses, but maybe the landscape's more degraded and it's just, it's so variable. Rangeland science at Humboldt kind of gives you a foundation of those different landscapes. And then through work experience, you can learn more, right? Yeah, exactly. So like I said, we touched on all the different like vegetation types in that wildland plant communities class. But, um, you know, ultimately where you end up getting a job, where you end up working is, you know, you're going to learn that area better. Obviously, you're spending more time in it. So I'm, you know, a lot more familiar with the annual grasslands and oak woodlands in like the coastal California ranges here, as opposed to even going to some of the oak woodlands and say the foothills of the Central Valley are even way different than getting over into the high desert and sagebrush, say Susanville all the way down those Eastern Sierras into Bishop. It's just, you know, you, you get better at what you work in every day. And since I'm working in the annual grasslands, that's mostly what I, what I'm good at, I would suppose. Yeah. Well, we're lucky to have you here in Humboldt County. Um, but you could have probably taken a job really anywhere across the West or the nation with that degree. Right. Yeah. So, uh, how I got started working with NRCS was uh, I'd worked at a bunch of different, or not a bunch of different ranches, but I worked on one sheep ranch in Fieldbrook for six years from the time I was 16 all the way up until my, well, I guess it'd be 22 years old. And I was a junior at 
HSU and Susan Marshall came up to me and said, Hey, you should really apply for some of these federal jobs, some of these internships. And uh, I said, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy working at the ranch. You know, treat me really good. <laughs> I get time off whenever I want. She goes, you should really apply. And so I applied for some of these jobs and I applied for jobs in California, Nevada, Oklahoma, and a bunch of different places for these internships. And I got calls back on a job in Petaluma and then a job in Reno. And then I think I also got selected for a job in Oklahoma as well. But wow. it's, you know, it was a really cool experience, but, you know, not something I'd ever expected to do. But through that internship program and fulfilling the requirements of working different, uh, you know, working enough hours before graduation. That's another reason I didn't want to apply is because I was applying late as a junior and you have mm-hmm. to work 640 hours before you graduate to be eligible for a non-competitive job offer when you graduate. So I guess we're getting into the whole pathways system that I was a part of. The pathways internship program, that's a great program Perfect. for anyone who thinks they might be interested in working for the federal government either, you know, and it's not just for rangeland positions. They have positions for forestry. They have pathways internship positions for engineers. Uh, every once in a while, a biologist will come up. Biologist internship position will come up. But there's lots of opportunity, and it's all across the nation. So if you think you're, you know, interested in working for the federal government, whether it's for NRCS or the Forest Service or for the Bureau of Land Management, just you know, look into it. It's a great paid internship where you can get a lot of experience. And even if you decide you don't want to work for the federal government, you know, it was a paid internship for a couple summers. So it's really a neat program because it gives you know, give students an opportunity to learn about NRCS or the Bureau of Land Management or Forest Service. They all offer similar programs. And it gives them an opportunity as a student to work, you know, for a couple summers. They're paid internships. Usually they try to send you to different places, both, uh, you know, for each summer. But it gives an opportunity for you to try out the agency and agency to kind of try out you to see if you'd be a good fit. And then if you fulfill the grade point average requirements and the, uh, the number of working hours before you graduate requirements, you get offered a non-competitive job when you graduate. And so I didn't think I was going to be eligible for that internship program because I was a junior at HSU. I only had one summer left, but it ended up working out. I got a job as an intern in Petaluma, worked the majority of my hours there, came back up to Eureka to finish school at Humboldt, worked in the Eureka office. Then when I graduated from Humboldt, uh, they offered me jobs in Hollister, Alturas, and Hanford, all in California, and I took the job in Hollister. I worked there for about four months, and then a position came open in Eureka, and they asked me if I wanted to transfer. And being born and raised in Arcade, I said, sure, I'd like to transfer back up there, so I've been working in Eureka ever since. Wow. There's so much um, that's really cool about that story, Dustin, but I think especially just knowing that when applying for some of these federal jobs, there might not be a position in your ideal location that you want to be right away, but you get into the system, you took a couple jobs other places and ultimately ended up in the perfect spot. So um, if there's an office there and they have the types of programs that you're trained in and you're interested in, you probably have a pretty good shot at getting where you want to be, huh? Yeah, it might take a little while, but I was pretty fortunate. It didn't take very long for me to get back up to Humboldt. But, um, you know, NRCS has an office that services every county in the United States. So, you know, depending on where you're from, when I worked in Hollister, we serviced uh, San Benito and Santa Clara County. So we covered two counties down there. And mm-hmm. When I was in Petaluma, we serviced uh, Marin and uh, what's the other end? I'm trying to think the name of the other county down there. But uh, either way, I can't remember right now. I'm drawing a blank. But right. so there's certain areas that serve two two counties, but, you know, there's 
all over the United States and just a matter of when positions come available. If you're qualified for the position and you're ready to apply, you know, and there's always opportunities for transfers and moving around. So that's one thing that is really nice about working for the federal government is that, you know, everything transfers, there's no, you know, all the requirements are the same if it's the same position. So you can, you know, move around and have the same position and know that you're, you know, there's lots of opportunity there. Yeah, I had Matt um, Clocking come into my class for the same class last semester, and now he's transferred. He's the state forester for NRCS for um, Hawaii. So you never know where you might end up, I guess, with a job like this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's pretty neat. So if somebody wants to kind of travel a little bit or you're not really sure, you want to see some different areas, you have the opportunity to do that, um, which I think is really, really nice. Um, so we kind of talked about how you got this job. What is like a day in the life of Dustin Wallace? I'm sure there's a lot of variability, but tell me a little bit what it's kind of like to do your job. Yeah, there's a, definitely a lot of variability depending on time of year for, you know, we like to go out in the field as much as we can, but when we have deadlines come up for different programs and stuff, we end up getting stuck in the office quite a bit. And of course, everything has changed with COVID and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, usually we shoot for, my goal is to spend about 40% of my time in the field and 60% of my time in the office. Obviously, I'd love to get out in the field more, but, you know, generally a general day, if I'm going out in the field, I usually leave the office somewhere between eight, eight and nine, depending on where I'm going. And we'll meet up with the landowner or the client, whoever we're working with, um, you know, we'll go over whatever issues they might have on their landscape, whatever they want to talk about that day, depends on the goal of the meeting. And then we come back and we write our technical notes about, you know, what happened that day, what we got accomplished, what still needs to be accomplished. You know, we, uh, do our best to write notes at the end of every site visit or in, in, end of every interaction with our producers, our clients. So that way, if something were to, you know, happen to me or if this, I had a client and uh, say I was like Matt and I went to Hawaii to work, that someone could pick up our folders that we have for each client and read those notes mm-hmm. and know what's going on. So we always try to, you know, go out in the field. If we're going out in the field, we document everything that happened, document you know, where we left off, what the next steps are, and then we move from there. Now, if it's a day where I'm spending most of my time in the office, um, depends on, you know, what lots of paperwork involved with uh, the conservation planning we have to do and different environmental reviews, um, a lot of map making and ArcGIS that are helpful planning tools. But, uh, you know, and I'll probably field, you know, anywhere from one to five phone calls a day, either different clients or folks in the community that might just have technical questions and want to ask somebody. And so it, it's really variable. It could be, you know, there's days where I don't, or, you know, a few days at a time I'll go, I won't talk on the phone to anybody, then I'll get 10 or 12 phone calls in a day. Seems like yeah. it's something, something in the air that when it's, some one person decides to call, everyone decides to call. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that. Rainy days, that's definitely a time when you probably get a lot of phone calls. Absolutely. When, you know, our, <laughs> a lot of our clients or producers or landowners are sitting inside, not outside working in the rain and their, their brain starts working and they'll call you and say, Hey, I got a lot of stuff we want to plan for, you know, next spring. And, it might be October and you're, you know, you're thinking, that's great. You know, I'm glad you're thinking about it. We want to get this stuff done, but you know, we got a lot of time stuff can change between them, but we'll, you know, we'll plan a visit for March or whenever. And, you know, but it's, yeah, it seems like it's always when it rains, it pours. Yeah. And some of your projects I'm sure are kind of confidential, I guess, um, since you're working on private landowners properties, but what's sort of maybe an example of one of your favorite projects or sort of an interesting project you've worked on? 
Yeah, we work on, you know, a pretty wide variety of projects. Like I said, I mainly work with rangeland folks. Um, we do a lot of uh, water systems for, you know, to better distribute cattle for grazing or sheep or whatever they might be grazing. Um, but we'll, you know, do things like spring developments where we'll run to a series of troughs where you can turn on and off water to get cattle to focus to, you know, to graze in one area. So that way they aren't just hitting what we call the ice cream plants, all the good, all the good plants they like to eat all across the landscape and leave all the stuff that maybe it might not be so desirable. So we'll work on projects where we develop water systems, you know, where we can control cattle movement and animal movement without necessarily using fences and having that barrier to wildlife and that sort of thing. Um, some other projects we do, we, as an office, we work a lot on uh, oak woodland restoration and, you know, going through and removing some of the dug firs that grow up in the oak woodlands and trying to get those back to a more natural state that doesn't have uh, fir trees going up and out competing these oaks that are, you know, becoming more and more rare every year, it seems. But um, some other projects I've worked on, we do a lot of road work too, uh, helping people improve their roads. Roads are the number one sediment con sediment contributor to all the streams and stuff around here. So anything we can do to help improve, you know, creek crossings or uh, reshaping roads so that they have uh, adequate rolling dips so you're not getting water running down the roads and eroding the roads away. And, you know, really just trying to minimize the impacts and to waterways and stuff like that. We work on a pretty wide variety of projects being a range specialist. But also, um, you know, a lot of people don't know that with NRCS, we primarily work with private landowners. We're kind of the guys in the back, you know, you'll hear about big projects happening and, you know, on maybe say it's forest service ground, they're going to do this uh, big improvement project or sediment reduction project. But um, we work, you know, almost exclusively with private landowners. In some instances, we work with, you know, s some federal lands, some public lands, but it's very rare. But, you know, being able to work with these private landowners and see that these people are willing to spend, you know, time and money out of their their busy schedules and their own their own pocket to do things that are going to better the landscape, you know, which really is kind of a thankless job for them. You know, people see that, oh, so-and-so might have a 1,500-acre ranch, you know, you know, lucky to be that guy when this guy's out there, you know, breaking his back, trying to do good things for the landscape because they really do truly care about the land. I think that's a lens a lot of people don't see these private landowners through is, you know, most of them are excellent stewards of the land. Most people that we work with, you know, they come to us and say, hey, I've got this problem with erosion going into this creek. I know that, you know, we have steelhead and sometimes, you know, I know in the past there was salmon that used to run up this creek. I want to, you know, give those fish or give the wildlife as best chance they can get. What can I do to make that better for them? And we get a lot of questions like that. And a lot of people coming to us saying, hey, I've got this issue. And I want to fix it because I know that, you know, this can't be good for the environment. And some people, you know, they already have ideas of ways that they can fix it or what they want, what they've done in the past. But, you know, it's just knowing that these people care enough to just say, oh, well, this spring is muddy. I'm going to fence it out and put a spring head in there to get the water to a different watering hole for these wildlife or cattle or whatever's using it, as opposed to just saying, oh, it'll just be muddy. And, you know, that's just how it is. You know, people really do care about the environment and they want to take care of the land that takes care of them. So I think it's a, you know, something important to note to people is that lots of good people still out there that really want to do good work. Yeah, I don't think I could phrase it any better than you just did, Dustin. That's pretty, pretty awesome. Okay, well, with all that great background on the type of work that you do, let's transition to this podcast segment I'm calling the tailgate safety talk. So listen for this intro here. It's time for the tailgate safety talk section of this class where I ask our guest what 
their experiences are and top tips for safety in the field of forestry and natural resources and safety at the workplace. So Dustin, what are your top safety tips for us? A lot of places I go, you know, I might leave the office and drive for two hours before I even get to someone's property and then might drive for another 20 minutes to 40 minutes to get to a project site. You know, we go to a lot of remote places without cell phone service. So a big thing we always do is we have a board in our office and whenever someone leaves, you know, we write down where we're going and what time we expect to be back and what vehicle we took. So that way, if, you know, God forbid something were to happen, and, you know, people would at least have a general idea of where to look or, you know, if someone were to get hurt and they needed to find us or something like that. You know, we always try to make sure we tell people where we're going. That'd probably be my number one safety tip. And uh, but also I think it's very appropriate or very important to dress appropriate for the field where you're going. Um, we've taken interns and things out like that before. You know, they might not be wearing field appropriate shoes or they might have some sort of sandals on. And, you know, when you're walking through all sorts of tall grass or different, you know, sort of goalies and stuff like that that are pretty jagged or, you know, full of ticks. I've had an uh, in, you know, instance where, you know, an intern pulled seven or eight ticks off of her legs because she wasn't wearing, you know, appropriate, appropriate toed shoes and, you know, which it happens, but, you know, it's one thing you got to be prepared for what you're going to do for the day. That was some pretty good advice. Um, have you, I guess, you know, Susan Marshall really kind of set you on this awesome path for this career. Um, back in 4-H days but um, what is there any kind of like specific career advice you had been given? Some advice I got before I went to go study range at Humboldt was to apply for as many scholarships as you can. There are so many different scholarships offered for range range kids or kids that want to mm-hmm. study range because it is you know up until a couple of years ago it wasn't you know growing really at Humboldt. When I started there was only 40 kids in the major and I think when I graduated we had almost 70 and so you know California Farm Bureau offers several scholarships wow. and they offer one scholarship called the Rustiki Scholarship. And it's for kids who are graduating high school that want to study rangeland resource science um, at a four-year university. And I don't think you have to be graduating high school, but I know they've even loosened up on the, on the stipulations for that scholarship because nobody was applying. And I was fortunate enough to get that scholarship for four years in a row. And it was a $5,000 scholarship. So I would say if you're thinking about studying range, it's definitely research. California That's Farm awesome. Bureau is a great resource and any other local scholarships you can find. Um, definitely look into scholarships you're going to study range. There's lots of money out there. It's a, it's a profession that a lot of people care a lot about and that a lot of people are retiring out of. So people don't want it to go away. Or, you know, they want people that are passionate about it to get into it. So I would say for as far as uh, going to school, if you think you're interested in range, apply for lots of scholarships. I had probably 95% of my school paid for by scholarships. So it was really, really great opportunity, you know. Yeah, it might take you some time to sit down at the computer, but if it takes you two hours to fill out a scholarship application and you got paid $5,000, that's a pretty good hourly rate, if you ask me. That is a great hourly rate. Do you have any other general career advice you want to share? Don't be afraid to, you know, take chances. So being a newer employee, I've been with the agency, including my internship for just over three years now. And, uh, you know, working through planning and stuff, it's always good, you know, to, if you think something's going to work, go on on a limb and talk to your, talk to your landowner, talk to your client about it and say, Hey, I'm interested. You know, I think this idea might work, but I also need to go and double check with, you know, either like a senior, a senior employee, someone as a, another rangeland management specialist. We have another range management specialist in our office 
Todd Golder has been with the agency, I think, for almost 20 years. And so whenever I have questions, I'll go to him. Or we have an area rangeland specialist that is, uh, works in Red Bluff. So don't be afraid to take chances. And even if, uh, you know, someone who you're double-checking with or you took a chance or something maybe didn't work out quite right or, you know, it doesn't necessarily meet NRCS's requirements for what a, what a project needs, you know, most time people aren't going to be mad at you. They're going to be happy that you're trying to be innovative and learn and do new things. So I would say, don't be afraid to take chances. I think that's great advice. Cause I think sometimes starting a new job, it can be sort of scary um, and really common to second guess yourself or just do things the way they've always been done. And that kind of creativity, that's where innovation and change really happens. And I think that's an advantage to being a young person in a position is you're looking at things with a fresh set of eyes, different perspectives, your background's different than the person who was in the position before you. Um, and I think we have to be creative for some of our environmental um, and conservation challenges we're faced. So that's awesome, Justin. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for that information and a little view behind the private landowner lens and your work with NRCS as a range land management specialist and also great information about transferring or just the educational program at HSU that our students could transfer to from either the ag or forestry program. Thanks so much for your time, Dustin.